friends. It's true, you know. Personal, local, global wellness. You may now begin the course. The emotional response to love. It's awfully important. Is usually the result of a decommy family. A show of affection. Redefining what health means for you. And the real fundamental you. 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 Well, if you'd like a place where there's never a dull moment, choose the right flavor of wellness for you. Syndacy Wellness. Hosts the personal, local, global wellness show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. This is a very exciting show. I have Mark Cohn joining us. And he's speaking on galactic messages, your soul's purpose, and immortal humans. Welcome to the Community Health Personal Local Global Wellness Show, hosted by Syndacy Wellness. If you don't know me, I'm your host, June Syndacy. A little bit about me, I'm a healthcare provider at Syndacy Wellness, helping men and women move from emotional overwhelm, fatigue, and burnout to a state of peace, calm, and comfort. I pair this with nutrition analysis, nutrition programs, working with labs and setting out gut testing, and my trauma counseling practice. So there's two tiers to my practice, emotional wellness for ex-veterans, sexual abuse, and religious trauma, as well as the nutrition side, doing the gut testing and emotional eating and meal planning. Thank you for joining me. I personally used to try and heal the world before I healed myself, but I believe our personal healing ripples out. And that's why I named the show the Personal Local Global Wellness Show. We'd love for you to subscribe and tell us your advice, opinions, who you'd like us to interview. We are on platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Bluehost, Radio Public, and YouTube many others, you'll see a sign when you type into the search bar to look for our podcast, type in Syndesi, S-Y-N-D-E-S-I, wellness. Syndesi means connection in Greek. So we're trying to connect people to as many different flavors of wellness as possible. When you type that in, you'll see a group of women sitting in a circle. I'll have short hair there and it'll say community health at the top of the album cover. That's us. Subscribe, like, and comment. Wow, without further ado, I'm so excited to introduce our guest, Mark Cohn, like Pinecone. I love it when he says that. Is a professional voiceover artist specializing in narration and podcasting. He is a school he is a schooled environmental educator and anthropologist. For over two decades, he has been using talents to educate people on many subjects in all areas, including national parks, monuments, and museums. His interest in non-terrestrial intelligence began back in 1995 when he moved to Sedona, Arizona and had an awakening experience. His interest in UFOs and expansion of consciousness has taken him into many conferences over the years, and he has now been guided to share his knowledge and wisdom with others. Mark has been gifted with abilities of putting together the pieces of storylines, seeing the bigger pictures, and distilling the narrative to help explain the many myths that challenge us today. I have to say, when I first met Mark, I was so excited because I could see that he honored all flavors of light, all religions, all the ways that we have connected over centuries of being human to the divine intelligence. And he doesn't judge anyone's own relation to their creator, their comforting peace. He honors all narratives. So that to me has been super inspiring and and super um, exciting to find someone who is really about coexistence and like talking about myths, 
like letting go of that separation mindset and seeing oneness in everything. Thank you for joining us today. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much, June. And again, I'm super grateful to be here. Um, as my friend Lori Ladd says, big virtual hug to everybody. Um, and I would like everybody to know that um, I love you and bless you and behold the Christ light shining through you. Namaste. Um, again, I like to kind of just start out with something that lets everyone know that our connection together is so vast that we have been, um, we've been taught to be separate. Um, and it's been in our, um, uh, it's been in all of our stories, uh, this separateness. Um, and yet the ones that we really love are the ones where we actually connect. So most of our myths that have love stories in them, we just go, but that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. Well, it, it's love is love is the only thing that's real. Everything else is an illusion. Such a good point. And I think about like, what is it, Romeo and Juliet? The two families were warring. They have their differences, but we're obsessed with the love and the connection they find. And we're going to go into a lot of what I love, creation myths. We're going to go into a lot of the, the stories around um, the histories. If I interview Mark again, or just in this interview, but I'm curious around what got you into doing this work that we're going to be chatting about today. Sometimes we talk about pain points in our own history. For me, my excessive hair pulling and eating disorders um, got me into the, the world of wellness um, and other kind of traumatic events in my life. And that has kind of put me on the road to gain these tools and education um, to then help empower and help others heal. Well, um, thanks for, uh, for asking. So when I moved to Sedona, Arizona in 1995, um, I had just um, I had just read a text called Bringers of the Dawn by Barbara Marciniak, and I know I gave you a copy of that, but I was speaking to another friend of mine who's a psychic in um, Albuquerque today, and she said that it was also her like instruction book to be a human being, kind of like a Bible, um, yet it was, for me, it's channeled information from the Pleiades. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had no idea, you know, what a Pleiadian was or who were Pleiades. I had, I didn't know anything about astronomy and nothing about uh, astrology. Uh, when I moved to Sedona, I was literally guided by my brother who suggested, I said, I just got to get out of Southern California. I can't handle the dense energy and all of the emotional swings that happen in areas where there's a lot of human beings concentrated and I had no tools at the time. Um, I came from an alcoholic um, uh, uh, family on my father's side. My father was a grateful alcoholic. He was like loved being an alcoholic. He identified himself with that. And I didn't realize that uh, my excessive drinking um, was leading me to identify myself finally as an alcoholic. But I didn't want to be where my dad was. 30 years down the road, I said, I'm going to have to make a quick change here. Uh, well, not quick, because I'd like to say it happened in 1995. But, um, but I, did, uh, I did recover um, from uh, addictions, and, um, and it began my journey. But I had a great foundation. I had stacks of self-help books. But I will tell you, there's some old literature that has been used for decades and decades and decades. Um, I use it. I use the word 12 step literature, but um, it, it's a way to self reflect. 
once I began to start looking at myself, why do I feel the way that I do? And began looking at myself as an observer of a physical body. It's the only way I could do self-reflection was to be able to say, oh, there's a larger story about me. And I had to start healing before I could start connecting with up there. And um, my, my father doesn't like to use the word extraterrestrial, non-terrestrial, alien. He, he, he just says, don't say that. What is that? What is non-terrestrial? Non-terrestrial. Um, so that would be uh, people that are not born on this physical planet. Uh, there are non-terrestrials in our solar system. People that are born on other planets. So terrestrial is terrestrial is the Earth. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Non-terrestrial is is, is this um, you know Terra as as or Gaia. Uh, if you're born on Gaia in a physical Gaian body. Um, again, even if you're born here in another, uh, you know, from, a, from another race, um, is we're still under the, um, the constructs of this, you could call it a matrix, really, uh, the earth itself. I didn't mean um, to cut you off. From oh, no, no, no. It's okay. And uh, anyway, I just went back to my, I'm, I'm grateful that my father, I'm a grateful recovered alcoholic. And my father was, uh, uh, was, he had his issues and addictions, but what I didn't know was um, it was my solution to get around what I made up in my mind. Uh, my mind focused on things that were really, really negative, and I would quell that with, um, uh, uh, with, with substances. And I began to start self-reflecting, and everything changed. Um, all the self-help books that I had, that I had read, didn't become just knowledge inside of my body, it became experiential because I started to clear up this physical body's um, uh, functioning and connected with my higher power. I, everything about me started to change. Wow. And, um, and I still use that, that one uh, book literature as my foundation. Um, and again, um, you know, I, I drive a, a Subaru which means Pleiades uh, in, in, in Japanese. And oh, again, really? Oh, yeah. Most people don't know that the um, the Pleiadians, uh, this group of people who have seeded this earth with human genetics, um, their storyline is, is through everything. Uh, yet, 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 it's not obvious or visible because the storyline, and, and again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to uh, point out that um that many of us are lazy but again i was i was lazy i only wanted information easily that's why i watched the news that's why my blood pressure was through the roof i drank i did i did all of these things because i expected to get information easily and what i didn't know is i was being completely manipulated by information that is a narrative that um that we have created as a collective consciousness to have us come through a period of time where, again, I, the people call it dark forces, the cabal, the deep state, all of whatever we want to call this aspect of our consciousness, because it's us too. Mm -hmm. uh, again, um, once I began cleaning up myself, I started seeing more light. And the more light I saw, the more that I was able to spread back out uh, to everybody else. So, do you um, want to show them the book that inspired? I do. Um, this is the book, Bringers of the Dawn by Barbara Marciniak. Because um, a lot of people ask about Pleiadian yeah, information. Yeah, great read. Um, it's a fantastic read. Um, and there's a follow-up book called Earth. 
it begins to speak about what is happening at this moment, uh, the book Earth, because there are actually two vibrational frequency Earths going on simultaneously. They're overlaid on top of each other. There is a, call it a, a, a lower density, third dimensional frequency Earth and a fifth dimensional frequency Earth. And our time is becoming more now. There's not like the past or the present uh, or the future. There's now the past and present and future overlaid on top of itself. And we're experiencing one now, right now, um, where the, your, your past is only your memory of it and my memory of it. Even if we're in the same event, I will tell you, you know, this probably from experience. But if you were emotionally charged in that event and I was, we could actually have a completely different experience because the emotional charge is what anchored us to be able to see what our higher self needed us to see versus what you needed to see. Totally. Yeah. Uh, it happens. My, my family, have, we have events that our family's been in and none of us can agree about what the event took place yes. because it was hugely emotional, yet everybody was there. I love that. And that's why I've enjoyed some of um, the nonviolent communication. Uh, Marshall, can never remember his last name. Marshall something founded it. And the, the first part of nonviolent communication is to agree on, you know, he'd work with like Palestinian Israelis, he'd work with tribes in Africa. Um, and he would say, do we agree on what we are trying to work through? Like the banana fell and hit the floor. But if some people still think the banana is suspended in the air, they can't get anywhere with talking about the feelings and then the needs that aren't met and how to create strategies to um, create resolution and peace so something in a lot of spiritual lingo today that's being said is 5d versus 3d mm -hmm. and people are saying like i live in the 5d not the 3d and some people are like what are you saying would you mind explaining what that means um first i'd like to just overlay a premise um Please. remember i'm one of eight billion people on this planet and you're only hearing my perspective my camera angle of everything um, what I have been able to do um, as, as as having some anthropology background and also uh, being a guide. Uh, I was actually a guide here in Sedona uh, for a couple decades is I was able to help see how other people see things vibrationally and um, and, and the question that you're asking you know 5d versus 3d um, really what's so if fifth dimensional frequency is, is, is our imagination, and I love Albert Einstein's quote, imagination is greater than knowledge. Um, it is because our imagination is where we can find our, the unknown. Mm. When, I, when I was in my life, in my darkest places, I was in a box of known. I knew that I knew. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't know is I didn't know that I could get out of the box. And once I got rid of the known, the unknown could come in, which is the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's what is beginning to seep into every vehicle. And that's what I call my body the vehicle. But this love-based frequency, anything that is up in fifth dimensional frequency comes from a place of love. This is my take on it. 
Whereas down in third dimensional frequency, it's based upon fear. Mm -hmm. And the fear-based reality, be afraid of a virus, be afraid of, put your mask on, be afraid of what the government tells you, be afraid of what the army, be afraid of this. Where, again, I, I, this is my belief, we're all immortal humans. We actually, I, I'm in a body when I'm not in this at, at night, I'm in a body doing something else. And, um, and it's a physical human body. I've rarely had dreams where I go, what kind of a being was I there? You know, come back and like, oh, yeah, I'm human on planet Earth. Uh, but again, I, I, I know I have a um, what many cultures call um, a light body. Um, it, it is our true body, as the American Indians refer to it, that our spirit, which is human. There are bears, bear people become bear people and will always be bear people and they come back as bear people. Dear people become back as dear people. We have chosen from the great spirit's point of view to be human people, whether we're here or whether we, many uh, native cultures, especially the Hopi, uh, they point up at the Sirius star system or they point up the Pleiades and say, this is where our ancestors are from. This is where we came from. Um, so dear people meaning the deer. Meaning the, well, so the American Indians don't have a separation that a deer is an animal. It's a person. Oh, I love this. Yeah, the, the, the tree are people, the, the, the insects are people. All of these are people. Um, and from, a, um, from a, a, a Pleiadian point of view, all of these people were put onto this planet by other races. And this particular planet happens to be one of the 12, you call it a garden, but they're known as living libraries. They're libraries of genetics that, 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 that come from all over uh, this quadrant of the universe is what I'm told. Um, now, just remember this. I'm making everything up from what I've absorbed into my life. So um, you could say. Thank that, you. That, He's trying not to be guru like. Yeah, exactly. you, you could say that you could say that. But, you know, Jesus said this when two or three or more come together in the name of the father or mother, or or in, in my name, you can move this mountain with the faith of a mustard seed. You say mountain move, and it moves. Again, that particular teaching and this particular technology, I believe is actually genetically put into these, these vehicles, these bodies here. These are like avatars. Um, and I love the movie Avatar. I'm like, oh, thank you. We're getting some information about you can be in one body and have and be in another body simultaneously yes. because this is my belief we have higher selves not self the highest self of all of our higher selves is the godhead of course i'm excited to talk about the creator god idea but also would love to share what we spoke on which was anyone who watches my show knows i'll interview anyone <laughs> anyone kkk taliban you know southern baptist i love all's view of what's what's embodying what someone is experiencing and I, I value all experiences and all narratives and I told Mark I was really struggling with the division going on where people are afraid they're going to lose friends if they're vaccinated or if they're not vaccinated and there's a lot of division and there's a lot of just intensity happening where for me it's like everyone's making the decision that they need to and mm -hmm. i honor each person's circumstances and needs and medical history and trauma you know mm -hmm. all of it and 
I was quite sad where some people are talking in a more spiritual lens sometimes around what's happening in some of the narratives Mark's been sharing that if you get vaccinated, you'll die and all of these things. And um, he had said, we're going to be going into a time where we go from two strand DNA to 12 strand DNA. And I said, it's quite interesting. One of my mentors, uh, an older sister figure, my partner's brother's wife said, you don't have to be afraid of AI, June. What shamans have been doing in the jungle for centuries through training, their fifth dimensional, you know, like invisible abilities, we're now just going to see in the 3D. We're going to see people be able to have telepathy with a neural link or other things so people can train it internally or they can use an external um, source. Some of my native elders have incredible psychic abilities. And Mark said, well, if people want to get vaccinated, they might. And I said, what's interesting is what we're seeing, we're seeing genetic research. This is an mRNA um, shot injection. We're seeing genetic research that we've never seen before. I've had a genetic panel done, which proved a lot of things that um, studies had been done around the, the hair pulling disorder that I have. Like the one drug that is helpful, it's not a drug, it's a supplement that they're now taking off the market called NAC that's been helpful for excessive hair pulling and skin picking. When I did my genetic testing, it showed that I have some genes that are turned off and on, but I have one gene missing, which is for liver detoxification, which needs that supplement. And it was just so cool that it correlated with 30 years of research with something that I struggle with. So there's the light and the dark of, you know, this unknown. We're just starting this genetic research. It's probably only been 80 years. Um, and Mark said, some people who like are studying and talking about a lot of things that Mark's talking about would say quite negative things sometimes about these um, these things, the shots. Um, we're talking about it in a positive way, but I'm worried we're going to get censored just because we're talking about it. But he said, <laughs> he said uh, well, that will be an upgrade for their DNA if they're not doing other internal work to upgrade their um, genetic structure. And that was really interesting to me because he wasn't looking for division. He was honoring each person's solution and choices. And um, I honor people in my family on different sides and I'm honoring everything. And so I wanted to thank him for that because he was the first person I met who's speaking from this lens, who wasn't um, negative or, you know, dark. He was honoring of everyone's evolution in whatever form or path that takes. So thank you. You're welcome. And um, this is my take on it. Um, and I, I've become very discerning about information coming in. If it's fear-based information, it's third dimensional. It's in the third dimensional frequency. And my story is that if it's in the third dimensional frequency, it's typically disinformation. It was part of a storyline that was created by People who believe it's their right to manage and or seed and or run this planet uh, through its hegemony. And hegemony just means the dominant ideology. And um, again, the same, I'm going to use the word caretakers, um, the same uh, people. Um, and, and again, it was literally down to 13 families uh, running the planet's hegemony. Uh, they control they can they control stuff from the top down and how people rise. We're in a monetary caste system. So literally a monetary caste system is a system of pure control. Um, it's a slavery system. There's no other way to it, it, as a sociologist, you would say, okay, monetary caste system. So if the top controls how everything comes up, 
we're under the illusion that we can do it all on our own. And the answer is we have control over this, but here's what we can do with more than anything with our imagination. If we have in the fifth dimensional frequency, our imagination is our creation. We actually can imagine something, keep focusing on it, and we can create that. And again, I will uh, let you know there's, and again, I, I saw some, some publishing recently. Um, there, there really shouldn't be an appropriate reason why one family is worth $500 trillion on this planet. That just seems sort of inappropriate. So this control of up and down, where you can move in a monetary caste system, um, um, is ending because people are waking up and we're all saying, okay, what can we do to help our, um, our, our fellow person? And what I do is I put silver linings or seeds into the collective consciousness and including it up to, well, if people weren't awake enough, to understand that their physical body is 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 magical, is created magically, but there's definitely anomalies in it, and we have manifested our bodies to not be in perfect functioning order. So these vaccines can certainly. My storyline is that it's not down in the third dimensional reality where the vac vaccine can cause any harm. It's up here where it's actually going to help upgrade the person's genetics. Yeah. So, um, and, and again, if we are going to be going from two-stranded activated DNA to 12-stranded activated DNA, why not go see people some help yeah. um, with this? And again, all of the stories that say it's got this and it's got that, again, we can transmute anything. There, there are, I love the story, but there was some, um, there were some Buddhist monks that came from Japan on the 70th anniversary of the bomb being dropped over Japan. They had been keeping a fire going um, from the flames there. And they got, they, they got basically divine dispensation to bring it over across the ocean, take it to white sands where the bomb was invented and to put it out. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and the, the story, I wasn't there, but the story of, 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 of a person that was there was once they put that out and they, but they walked it the whole distance. Once they put this flame out, they went to a, um, a celebratory place where there was, they were eating Frito pies. They were drinking beer, giggling, laughing. They were unlike these, uh, you know, Buddhist monks that had been seen carrying this in such ritualistic ways. And there was a, um, a friend of mine who went to there because they only spoke Japanese said, is it, what are they doing? They're, they're eating meat. They, they're, they're completely vegan, vegetarian, and now they're drinking beer. She said, it isn't, isn't, you know, what, what is that? I thought they were Buddhist monks. And the interpreter says that, oh, well, when they're in, in some other places, uh, they don't actually practice their beliefs in a celebration. They don't want them to be thought of as different than the rest of the people celebrating. Wow. And that's their belief. So and she says, but, isn't this going to harm their bodies? All of this meat and stuff, and you know, the, they're such you know pure people. And, and he looked and he goes, "Oh, well, some of these monks can actually drink poison; it wouldn't harm." Because they're so because they're so high vibrational in their frequency, their mind and their physical body. Re they realize the body 
is, is, is the, the, the mind has control of the body, not the body has control of the mind. And the alchemizing and the transmutation. Correct. And transmuting, and yeah, the energy. So It's interesting. There's a, I love watching the monks who will, uh, a doctor and Moto's work with the um, science of water mm-hmm. and how he would play like Hitler's tapes or he'd play monks chanting and then he'd freeze water and the crystallization of the water. His, Hitler's like um, lectures, similar structure to a cancer cell and then the monks chanting similar structure to like a beautiful snowflake mm-hmm. and monks chanting over like a tumor and making it shrink. I've seen some videos and then also a scientist told me about some people in World War II were in a room with water and um, they were planning on how many, how they could kill like a certain amount of people, the best ways to create kind of a bomb or some kind of like um, destructive (laughs) uh, machinery, something like talking about really low frequency uh, plans and all of them the next day were deathly ill in the hospital. And so they tested everything in the room, the tables, the, the chairs, the, the water, and they couldn't figure it out until they talked to a Japanese scientist who said, I think it was literally what they were planning that made the the water um, change when they were drinking it and made them sick. And it's quite interesting. Um, you know, it's interesting if people have agree or disagree with things around this controversial topic that we're talking about. But I love to interview everyone with different opinions because I think all opinions are welcomed. And um, I think that more positive ways of seeing this problem as a solution and as a chance to evolve is a lot more healing than, you know, people might not want to get vaccinated, but then they might say all this negative stuff to me. And that's injecting me with fear, to be honest. So to them, it might be truth that they want me to know, but. I just have really wanted to become into a place of more neutrality. So I'm curious if you'd like to speak on this topic um, that you chat on called being a creator God and some narrative and some background behind that. Um, well, very good. So um, where I got this information from is that... Um, can we tie it into immortal humans? I can. I can tie it into immortal humans. So um, there isn't a... And, and I know you study anthropology, um, but from a anthropologist's point of view, there isn't really an anthropologist today that can say, okay, there is an immortality component to the storylines because all storylines talk about our bodies um, that have a immortal soul that's interfaced with it. We're, oh, as, yes. as, as Elon Musk said, um, it's a billion to one that this is based reality. I watched an interview. He said from all of the, um, there's a beautiful book by Jude Kurovan called The Cosmic Hologram. And I will just say there's a lot of very well-known physicists that today believe this reality that we exist in is holographic in nature. And that... Is that what Elon Musk believes? It's like a simulation? Correct. It Well... It is, um, I mean, from a quantum physics point of view, of course it is. The only thing that holds all of this together is consciousness. Mm. From a physics point of view, all of this is held together. It's light that has been slowed down to matter. Light, sound, vibrations, one 
I love the Tesla. Yeah. yeah you know, when when we look at things under in in, in in energy, frequency, and vibration, we will make more strides in one decade when 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 science does this than it will in all centuries previous to this. And, and again, um, I learned Nikolai, that from the Dallas. I Nikolai know. Tesla. Yeah, but but it's all the all the storylines. Um, you know are starting to come together. That's where, where I get so excited. They're all me too. I'm like, all the storylines are coming together where we're going to have this one beautiful cosmic story and we're this close. Well, disclosure is happening as we speak. Um, we have non-terrestrial assistance. Um, and so here's what I did to tell my father. I said, by the way, I, I won't use the word extraterrestrial or the word alien or anything like that. I said, but can you agree that up there has been helping down here in all of our written history. And he's mm -hmm. a very intelligent 91-year-old man. Uh, well, Tabar can be 91. And he says, uh, and he goes, I think I can get I think I can get on with that. So um, he thought about it and he said, I can I can understand that. So if we call up their angels, we call up their uh, gods, we call up their um, uh, helpers, whatever up there is, but up there happens to be older brothers and sisters that have been assisting these bodies, not souls, because our souls, I believe, are multidimensional and that we have other bodies at higher dimensional frequencies plugged into this body. That's why we actually do things once we go to sleep and we have memories of the things that we do when we're not physically in this particular body. And the Aboriginal, Aboriginal is not the name they prefer. There's a different Australian name, but they, they're all about the dream time, yeah. the messages of the dream time. And yeah. what you're saying makes me think of some people who really like scientific terms, like Elon Musk, that how can we not believe in higher assistance if he believes it's a holographic reality? And I understand people have charges with the word God or angels. And mm -hmm. so they say, everything's science, but I'm like, everything is interconnected. If it's all being streamed in from above, then it's like, mm -hmm. who cares what terms we're using? Why are we fighting about all that? But keep going. Yeah. So interesting. Um, I agree. There's, um, it doesn't matter. I call my higher self, God, the highest self, but I know that, um, I was at a lecture, um, back in April where one of the presenters, um, showed, um, Vishnu, um, it showed the, a picture of Vishnu, and he has Hindu God. Him, yeah, and, and he has he has uh, um, six higher selves on one side, and six higher selves on another side. So, um, meaning that Vishnu, which is the creator um, or destroyer, really, because he's a creator and destroyer, he is a Hindu God, but he also has higher selves that basically are assisting this physical here I love that. and you and again yeah so it instead of higher self i used to think the higher self i thought of higher selves and i'm going yeah and this third dimensional self down here is going to raise to a fifth dimensional self well maybe i have a fifth dimensional pleiadian going to a seven dimensional maybe everybody's ascending with this yeah. particular process down here um that's my story on it but as we said before remember pretty good story Create a story that benefits you, your body, and everybody else. That right there, that particular storyline helps the entire collective. 
if one focuses on a fear-based storyline, and believe me, it was purposely told to us. Um, I have a um, uh, you know a dear friend, former spouse who studied education, um, and she realized that much of our educational system was brought over by Project Paperclip. Um, Project Paperclip is literally all of the scientists that we brought over from Nazi Germany. They came over here. They were inserted into um, uh, different parts of our government and uh, um, a science structure into universities. And basically, we have been training our kids just like they learned in the concentration camps to be basically um, dumbed down. Not to, not to honor. They, there's no such thing as an average child. It, it, there's no such thing as an average child. We need the average child. Let's go ahead and get everybody to be this average child. There are some children that are just off the hooks, autistic, and have tons of ideas that are so creative, and 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 they're 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 like not honored. For yeah, having totally. Us. Yeah. And I know people in Ivy League schools, different public school, private school yeah. teachers, someone I went to at Sarah Lawrence College studying these educational structures, not teaching us to be master over tools, but to be worker bees and allow things to be master over us. And the way developmentally I'm getting a PhD in clinical psychology now, it's affecting our brains. It's horrific. <laughs> it's horrible. But I'm just amazed with how deep my heart's just breaking open. We're going with this concept of creator God and immortal human. Mm -hmm. So the immortal human is the fact that we have many higher selves, that concept. And then the creator God is, can you expand on that a little bit? I can. So um, if, if we all just understand that the physical body that I'm in, whether we go ahead and divulge the technology that this planet possesses, we do have we do have technology from um, non-terrestrial older brothers and sisters. They've gifted it to this planet where um, a, a lecturer I saw I'd go to Cosmic Disclosure on Gaia TV and listen to William Tompkins. He talks about a, um, a tablet that is um, the size of an aspirin. You take four within a six-month period. It causes all the telomeres to, um, uh, to stop fraying, regrow back from your own genetics. And no matter what age you are, unless you're still growing, but basically all females will come back to the 22 to 25 range and males from 24 to 28. Because if our the telomeres frame is what, what we recognize yeah. as aging. Telomeres. So uh, the telomeres of our, our genetic structure. We have this technology on this planet. We have med beds on this planet. We have, we have technologies been gifted and um, it's not being used. Because of the structure of, of, of control. Where free energy is going to take us will take us to be these uh, 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 immortal uh, beings. Because remember, the body's not forever. But your, your soul, which has all the memory of all of the lifetimes forwards and backwards in this now. Yeah. That's my belief. That particular soul is, is what I'm speaking about. And that particular soul, if you think that the highest aspect of all of us mm. is, is, is one single consciousness that's aware of itself, that, that is the universe. Well, I've talked to different scientists and then different native elders, and I love to mm -hmm. hear it from different 
vantage points and points of view and education styles that we're going to live longer. 120. I, I've seen it. It was a, a front of time magazine, but different native elders have been talking about it in terms of prophecy as well. So to hear about these medical advancements, these are genetic medical advancements. Um, and some might say just in like the hard concrete way of medical advancement. Some might say um, from above some downloads that have helped us below sure. to advance this, these tablets that you're talking about that they've done a documentary on help people de-age. So um, he was just mentioning that this technology is been gifted to the planet. Um, like I said, you can go to Gaia TV, you can go to cosmic disclosure and look up William Tompkins um, and watch his interviews with David Wilcock. Um and again, just to let you know that we have this technology. Here's the morality of it. So should we let, should we let, you know, let's just say that it comes out 8.2 billion people um, go back to, I believe once, because we have a, we have a space program up here. Um, yeah. And again, it's, you know, quote, look up Solar Warden if you're not familiar with our Navy that's in our solar system, been up there since the 1980s. We have a whole Navy. Navy ships over a mile long. We build them down here. Um, that kind of disclosure is on its way. Well, an Israeli general is done. There's a lot more during this time of the pandemic where people are talking about UFO. Correct. And like, you know, I have friends in Israel and everyone goes to the military and different people in, in Israel and mm -hmm. Korea. Sure. Yeah. Both of them, they have to all enlist. Mm -hmm. They were starting to disclose and more news articles are coming out in mainstream media that um, there is, there is a lot going on up there. And I think like you're saying, it's going to come out. I used to be embarrassed about my degree of oral history journalism because I um, literally had to get that degree. <laughs> I was guided to my mentor though, who worked at the oral history archives, Jerry Albrelli because I couldn't input and output information the same as others. I had some learning differences. So I couldn't keep my health and read 200 pages a night for class and do all of these papers. And I could sit with different native elders and learn about different histories and traditions. They didn't have an anthropology full on major at my school and then create a multimedia exhibit out of it rather than just output in a linear fashion. And, um, I was kind of angry at my mentor at the time. And I was like, okay, you think oral history journalism is the best. I'm going to learn why you don't like journalism. Well, I'm going to prove you wrong. So I went to Israel and I had an internship for four months with Al Jazeera, Jerusalem Post, CNN. And all these journalists came, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to follow their dreams. They were our mentors working for them. And they were all angry and stressed. They were like, we come to work for these companies to deliver the truth that we see on the streets of Israel and Palestine. And what happens? An agenda from up top changes everything we report. And so that's why I'm so grateful now in my older years that my mentor is like oral history is led by the interviewer. So much is being censored now that the oral history tradition now that's being proven in labs that I teach on around female biology, the research we have about our neurological, metabolic energy differences in females versus males. We have an infradian rhythm as well as circadian rhythm. That was all oral history that all women from all different cultures had been keeping and, and passing down around our differences biologically, but we have the research to prove it now. And so I'm grateful for these archives that I'm trying to create of many different 
many different stories, many different views of what's happening in the world because um, it's very different than I think sometimes what we are presented. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be able to even trust Google now is hard. And, and anyone will say that from either side. It's not like a political thing anymore. It, it's not. Um, I believe this is my belief. And again, when I use my belief, I touch my third chakra. Um, it's my intuitive chakra. Sometimes I touch my heart. Sometimes if I'm attempting to discern something, I touch both. And I just say inside my mind, um, you know, please, God, uh, let me understand the truth. And I'm on my knees praying in the morning. Please, God, let me understand the truth. This is after I smudge um, uh, before I meditate. Um, And I pray and meditate every day now. I never used to do this, uh, but it's a ritual that I, I smudge myself. I light incense, I put candles, ask for the light of my higher power to come into my guidance today. Um, all of these things have led me to know that my body is my best tool. If my body is functioning correctly, I'm not saying when I'm sick or, uh, but when it's functioning correctly, I can basically listen to my third chakra. And it can discern a truth from a non-truth. And it has to do with where my vibrational frequency is at. What's amazing when you say this is like all of the trauma research coming out of the top neurologist, Bessel van der Kolk, uh, Peter Levine. For me, I'm going to school to continue my study of trauma. Takes a somatic therapy lens, which is to differentiate between truth and non-truth, to get out of the flashbacks, to get out of the... Hmm unorganic caused body pain that a lot of these veterans and different people with extreme trauma have, they need to get back to their sensory system and they need to get back to healing um, and regulating their nervous system properly to differentiate somatic um, truths. And so I love what you're saying. It's not the mind, it's the body Mm. and being able to reframe that and everything that he's saying, all different cultures of medicine men and high priests have done for millennia. And so it's that creation. Many of the medicine women, medicine men, um, they will, before a physical ailment is even worked on, they go through the physical body and find out what entity is attached to which chakra of the physical body. And they do ceremony around extricating the entity. And they, they believe it's it's an attachment. There is a, there's a physical entity attachment, and I have had professional help to remove uh, the attachments uh, to this physical vehicle. I wear a quantum pendant all the time. Um, its technology was made by a, um, by a kinesiologist. Um, uh, but again, I, it's got a Sri Antra, so you could just wear a Sri Antra around your heart. And it's a quantum pendant. It stabilizes the auric field around the physical vehicle. Um, there is a lot of technology coming out today that can assist one's physical vehicle from keeping out any type of attachments. But the best thing that we can do is just raise our frequency, uh, raise the vibrational frequency of the physical vehicle. And that is literally in this read. Uh, matter of fact, the information that I have received from all of the stuff I have, have um, read watched on all kinds of um, uh, uh, channels and, 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 and websites that I've re- actually read, it doesn't become 
anything until I start to experience the information. The experience raises the frequency. There's always like an aha. Oh, they said that 25 years ago that I'm going to be living through this. And, uh, they talk about the information age before we even had the internet. Got this book. They, they said, you're going to be coming into an information age that will allow you to have discerning uh, views of what's being put to you because what's being put to you is a narrative that's actually meant to control uh, the species itself as opposed to free it up. And there's that push and pull. Um, and again, it's free will. So again, I have no right to go tell somebody, oh, you shouldn't be controlled by all of the narrative out here. You should break out of that because it's their soul's choice to it's be controlled or not be controlled. It's their body's choice to feel it or don't feel it. It's uh, so powerful. I yes. mean, <laughs> I, and I have these feelings inside yeah. of like, so if he wasn't wearing a colorful shirt, a shoe, and he was wearing like a suit and tie, as well as if it was like, instead of a, a gold pendant on his necklace, a um, gadget like James Bond would have, how certain people would react to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Because we have Wi-Fi, which goes off of this, um, I forgot what it's called. Someone was explaining the physics of not just Wi-Fi, but cell service triangulation. Mm -hmm. It, it's invisible. We can't see it, but we believe in it. And we believe in Bluetooth. We believe in all of it. But then if you're wearing a gold thing or you have colorful shirts or we use words like galactic or UFO, it's making me sad. And I'm curious what you feel around the idea of like in certain schools of thought, like the Ivy League schools. Mm -hmm. What I do know is that um, Cornell has a oral history library of slavery times someone was just taking me through the library and they were saying this is of slavery times there's oral history journalism there's a lot of different documents and they're locked up nobody's allowed to see them or go in there and i'm like why are they locked up first of all but second of all you know this research that we're talking about how are they using different words to describe it in um in universities like why does it make people feel separate when, when they hear the word galactic or UFO or why have they separated it from our modern education system? Because the modern education system was uh, hijacked to give, put blinders on the amount of information that's available, the physics that are being used on our, um, let's call it Navy craft up there. There's a completely different physics. They're not using base 10 math. They're using base 6 math, which are base 12 um, uh, math. There is all of this. The Pleiadians say that basically the information, once you have a college degree, it was outdated 20 years before you even got it. And we so, know that with the FDA studies, it's usually 10 or 20 years to get anything passed. Yeah. And the reason that it is is because once people become a tenured professor, their little box of information, this box is all there is. That's the only thing there will ever be. And let's go ahead and teach only this box. Whereas leading edge, um, Nassim Harriman, which is a wonderful physicist. It's incredible. And Greg Braden is the person that June was speaking about earlier. Um, that, um, that brought up some, well, he basically says, um, and this is just his premise that um, that our our physical bodies 
they have been genetically manipulated, and there is evidence that chromosome number two was spliced, cut in half, and stuck back together because there are frayed telomeres, and then and then it goes off of that. Nobody is in educational systems is talking about that. Like we're we're still under the model, and um, that 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 the Darwin's theory of evolution. That is our that is our model in science, which has been disproven. So. Like, of course, it's been disproven. Even even during his um, his lifetime, they couldn't find evidence in the geological history. It says it's a theory if it's not proven in geological evidence, and it wasn't proven during his lifetime. And he went to his grave saying it's just a theory, you know. And again, it was it's not even a theory; it's a hypothesis because you have to have a lot of people agree in a hypothesis to even make something a theory. That's what it first is. It's one person's view on it. You're hearing my hypothesis about my outer reality, and you're part of it today. Namaste. God bless you all for, for, for joining us today. This is fantastic. And it's interesting because I actually worked at an Invasive Species Research Institute in Galapagos with different plant species, and the scientists there were saying the same thing about Darwin's theories, which were discovered on the island of Galapagos off of Ecuador, and it's been in my field lately, I've been talking about that time, that there was a lot of controversy. But what I'd like to say around a lot of these prophecies, religious, native, extraterrestrial, around the information age is why we're seeing so many people succeed without degrees today online. Mm -hmm. You know, these Tony Robbins people are like, we're going to a place where you don't need school as much to educate yourself. My partner who's in the finance industry is like, it used to be buy or beware. The, the business owner, the producer had more information than the consumer, but now we're in a, a sticky point where the consumer has more information than the producers can, um, can acquire. And so a lot of interesting things are about to occur. And when you talk about medical advancements, when you talk about these things that are invisible, yet they're helping us, which we already use all the time, Wi-Fi, cell service, Bluetooth. It's interesting to me that people are trying to create this division of certain medical advancements being made for negative reasons and certain for positive reasons and how to find the benefit in all of them. It's kind of what I'm trying to look at mm -hmm. and honor everyone's choices of where they're, you know, their vibration frequency, they're such woo-woo words, but if you talk to scientists and physicists, they would probably use them but they'd be in a white coat in a different context and then people will take it seriously. So it's just incredible to me how we've been subliminal message to look at someone, what they're wearing, the lingo, you know, the topic, and then feel like we can be safe enough to receive that information versus have our hearts open all the time. The, por the Torah portion this week was Moses taking the people into the promised land because I come from a Jewish background. And um, he said to them, he couldn't go in, but he said, circumcise your hearts, which meant like, mm. don't have doubt and fear blocking your heart. Keep your mm. heart open to love. Keep your heart open to all things that will benefit you. And my partner is LDS and Joe, um, am I going to say it wrong? Joseph, no, jo say it. Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith said yep. the same, like, if it is good, like, you know, receive and learn the same. And so this has been such an honor. I'm trying to see what other questions. Let me see if we have any questions. I don't know if we do. 
She said, so Joseph Smith, she was thinking of Joseph Campbell. We're both anthropologists. <laughs> so uh, uh, the power of myth is, um, is one of the things that, of course, I really enjoy. But um, what has guided me to this very moment to sit here with you, June, is my heart. Um, my grandmother, um, uh, bless her heart, again, she, she's from the South. And she'd just throw these axioms out when I was a kid. And she would say, now, honey, follow your heart. <laughs> it knows the way. And these, uh, the, the, my ego got to a point where I knew that I knew. And yet I was still, you know, by the end of the day, this know that I know would need, uh, you know, alcohol to relax my physical body because I had all this tension. And what I used to do is I used to go out and force the outer reality to behave the way that I designed it to be. And that is the model of Darwin. You know, fight or be taken down. Um, it's a dog-eat-dog. It's, um, it's one of the – that's not how it is. I relax. I take it easy. I don't struggle. And I put out my thoughts and intentions about what I desire to see. I'd say my prayers and what comes to me is what my higher self, my God, and myself are creating for, for myself. It's effortless. And the Pleiadians say, follow the effortless path. So, oh, um, yeah, I love that. And that, to me, is it, it's what we all know inside of us, but yet the programming, and again, but trust me, Very if you have not woke up from the programming um, what happened to me when I moved here is I realized how programmed that I was about how I have to look, how I have to sound, how I have to feel. I had this entire structure and facade of who I thought that I was. There was a time in 1994, I owned a house, two boats, two motorcycles, had three cars, one was a Porsche. And a plane, uh, some partners with a plane, and I wasn't happy. Even though I watched cars go by, Ferraris had bumper stickers, he who dies with the most toy wins kind of thing. That's programming. We're programmed to think the material world is the world that we live in. We live in a spiritual world that is expressed materialistically. And how we can access that spiritual world, for me, is my heart. And um, if, you're, if anybody's interested in the studies of the Institute of Heart Math, uh, where you become oh, yeah. in coherence of the heart and mind, you even have technology lets you know when you're in coherence. It was a huge breakthrough for me and Doctor Dispenza. Doctor Dispenza and Greg Braden uh, yeah. both speak about that. Um, so, um, but one of the things that that I got from a um, a Greg Braden book um, uh, was. He was up in, he was up, up in Tibet and, um, and he was going up to a monastery and he had an interpreter, um, that had gotten somebody to walk him up to this monastery. He wanted to speak to one of the, um, uh, monks up there, um, and ask some questions. And so this woman who he said as he's walking with her, um, and it was a couple miles uphill and it's this 12,000 feet. She's outpacing him, and she looks somewhere 75 to 80, he says. And he gets to the top, and um, and the interpreter says to him, he goes, what would you think of her? And he goes, 
pretty good. He goes, what do you think her age is? And he said, 75, 80, but boy, she's in really good shape. He goes, she's 120. And he was like, how, how long do people live up here? And he asks the interpreter, the interpreter asks this monkey speaking, he goes, we don't have any evidence. We have her birth but we don't have any evidence, but some are over 600 uh, years of age. The and Tibetan monks. Tibetan monks. Yeah, I, I would believe He said, how do they live that long? And he said his interpreter and this person that he's meeting up there to get information from, they got into what appeared to sound like an argument. And about a minute later, they both calmed down and they both got back and they agreed and they nodded their head. And he looked at him and he says, he believes that you understand, Mr. Braden, what... Uh, uh, what he's going to say, what what causes these people to live this long? Compassion. Wow. One word, compassion. <laughs> After all the arguing. After all the arguing, he said, that's all. It's well, just see, compassion. The reason I believe that is because I believe our narrative shape our reality. And so right. a lot of us with the patriarchal, um, you know, geo, geo, deo, geo, what is it? Geo, deo, Christian yeah. narrative is that our ancestors and patriarchs lived till five, six hundred, but after the flood, we can no longer. So if we're told that, and that's part of, you know, what we believe in our reality, we're going to believe that. But sure. the Tibetan narratives of creation stories of what's true mm-hmm. shapes a whole different world, a whole different reality that can be lived. And I totally feel that. Amen. I love studying creation stories in the different cultures. When I was talking to Mark Sterling and I had learned my partner that there's a Mayan creation uh, story as well as a new year and a cycle. I love to celebrate the Asian new year, the Jewish new year, the Zodiac, like astrological new year. And my partner's birthday is the day before the Mayan new year, which is July 26th. And the day before that is July 25th, the day out of time, the day of no time. My partner's very introverted and excited, like, yay, we don't have to celebrate me because it's not (laughs) a real day. Um, but then I also learned that's called the Galactic New Year. So I'm curious about what you know around why they call it the Galactic New Year and the Mayan New Year. Um, and one thing I'll add to it is it goes off the original, the Jewish calendar, which is a lunar calendar, as well as the yep. Islamic and Muslim calendar. It's a 13 moon calendar. Um, and you were talking about the divine feminine. Someone I chatted with, our friend Margaret, was saying that the moon calendar is in touch with nature. So the Mayan, the Jewish, the Muslim calendar, and the, the, the nature calendar is all about synchronicities, signs, gifts of the universe versus the Gregorian, and that a Pope 439 years ago changed to the Gregorian calendar, apparently. Um, but I thought that was so cool that going off the moons allows us to be in a vibrational awareness and reality where we are more attuned to signs, synchronicities, and um, the connections from nature. That's what I've learned so far. But I'm curious about what you know. Well, I, it's the same thing. The, uh, the Mayan calendar is based on 13 moons, uh, which is 364 days. And July 25th of every year is the day of no time. It is the day before their galactic new year starts again. So they and, call it a galactic new year. Yeah. Um, yeah well, the, well, again, when I say galactic new year, it's their calendar starts over again in a single year. Uh-huh. Um, but their calendar is based upon um, 
their calendar is based upon a single procession of the equinox, which is 25,920 years. Um, and, and again, we have what's referred to as our wobble that everybody knows that our earth wobbles. Uh, we spin on our axis. It goes in one single wobble in what's called a great year. That's 25,920 years, or let's just call it 26,000 years. Every 13,000 years, our earth goes into a shadowy part of, because our, our, our sun is spiraling through the Milky Way galaxy and it goes around the entire galaxy in this 26,000 years. It actually goes into a shadow and we're coming into what's referred to as the 13,000 years of, of a lighter, um, um, le less shadowed, you could say, instead of night, it's day. So we're Even coming it's out light. of a 13,000 year cycle? Cycle, oh, in yeah, the in, in the Mayan calendar, yes. Mm -hmm. And that happened on, uh, you know, December uh, 21st, 2012. Officially, uh, uh, the so that's why they said the, the world's ending, one world reality is ending yeah, for a yeah. new reality. Yes, but again, and that's it's the end of the world as we know it. Um, you know, I just go with REM, uh, it's a great song, uh, but it, it's not the end of the world, it's just the end of the world as we know it. The end of the world of darkness that's the Pleiadians say light is information and darkness is the absence of information. I lived a dark life because I was a lazy human and I wanted information easily. And how do I get that? I turn on the news. Just turned it on. Whatever they told me, I believed everything was true. I believed the narrative was true. Um, and when one wakes up and realizes that that narrative is very, very structured, very, very controlled, it has blinders on it. I mean, I, when I had high blood pressure and my naturopathic doctor said, do you watch the news and read the newspaper? I said, yeah. She says, does your father and you eat this interview? So my mom, my father and all that. I said, my dad, he yells at the TV. And he <laughs> goes, why don't you stop um, uh, watching the news or reading the newspaper for one month and come back and see me? And he also um, uh, suggested when I told him, I didn't tell him how much I drink. I, 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 I cut it in half, really what I did. And he goes, oh, man, that's a lot. I'm like, that's a lot. So this was 15 years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And anyway, to make a long story short, I um, I did what he said in my blood pressure from you know 165 over 108. It just came down to regular 120 over whatever, 80 or 675. Because it's about what you were inputting. I was, I was, uh, I, he said some people don't, well, he said, first off, had enough science about me that the physical body doesn't know the difference between imagination and actually a lion chasing me. Doesn't know the difference. And my physical body's genetics are more like my parents, where I attach myself to a story and I start mirror getting, neurons. Uh, mirror neurons. Yeah, you yeah, mirror neurons. Uh, by me watching the TV, I engaged my body. And it stayed in a state of fear and I needed things to get rid of that feeling of that and that's why i was addicted to uh substances until i became aware of self-reflected so um with that being said mom's uh, calling mom's calling uh yeah so <laughs> I love that. uh anyway um the, my phone's sitting over here but i or i've gotten today with just some help from other people albert einstein said this you cannot you cannot 
create the solution to the problem with the same mind that created it. You cannot find a solution to a problem with the same mind that created it. So my suggestion to anybody out there who's waking up and realizes that, oh, wait, maybe I've been controlled by a narrative that is not beneficial for my great-grandchildren's great-grandchildren or me, or I always try to look at the bigger picture or at least the seventh generation theory uh, or hypothesis, but um, just unplug for a while and then see how that feels. And that's what happened to me. I mean, and I ask this question every time I do the, an interview, like how do you see your sensitivity as a superpower? Because I was so highly sensitive my parents were afraid for me, honestly. My partner met me when it got dark out. I didn't put the lights on. I had all candlelit light. I don't have a TV. I don't have anything like, because I know that my system will also not know how to differentiate what's happening um, when it comes to the news and scary movies. And for some people, it's a literal medical need not to uh, engage but also the light I had insomnia and I had to take more severe measures um how would you say to men as well because of your healing and the balance of this divine masculine I think there's a lot of toxic masculinity where men feel like they can't fully embody I am not all for feminism because I love women and I love women's empowerment, but women raise boys. We get to tell the boys they're allowed to have a full spectrum of emotion that they, you know, no boys don't cry. I don't believe in any of that. I believe that women as mothers have to take on that responsibility, but also men healing inside their emotional intelligence and their nervous system and their ability to regulate their emotions um, versus like be what they see on TV is really inspiring. And so I'm excited to ask you about that question as a man um, and as in your own experience, how your sensitivity has become a superpower. Thank you. Um, well, I just saw something recently that said, um, grown men don't cry, growing men do. And um, I love that. I'm like, oh yeah, because again, um, it, the growth is spiritual growth is never ever going to end not while i'm in this physical vehicle here um and i imagine that i get to come back and do this again and again if i choose to but um what happened for me uh most recently too i did a breathwork ceremony where i cried like i could not believe about the gratitude of having just a body on planet earth to enjoy to have an experience and see this beautiful planet. I had this experience that happened once in a sweat lodge and once at my parents' house where I spoke to our sweet mother Gaia, the actual consciousness of this earth. And she spoke to me gently and said, you're doing just fantastic. That is something that is not taught. It's something every, every human on this planet has a mother. And if we connect with that energy, We've had both male and female inside of these bodies, uh, but expressing our emotions is a good thing. And uh, I have done uh, all kinds of therapy with my physical body, and most recently this breathwork ceremony uh, shifted. This I, I have less tension from just one ceremony, and I'm going to my third one uh, this Saturday. So if anybody has a chance to do breathwork ceremony, um, it's... Uh, it's 
for an hour. Um, well, the accelerator is the breath. So once we get to that state of oxygenating the pineal gland and getting into a psychotropic experience or visionary experience, then one can control where they would like to be with how fast the breath is. But the first starting of the breath is our physical bodies can do things that, and, and by the way, if you don't know about the pineal gland, it produces dimethyltryptamine. It's the same thing that's in ayahuasca. We have chemicals in our body that mirror all the physical chemicals that you can get outside in this world, including heroines and morphines and things like that. So uh, the body can produce them. It's just the ability to do that. And the Egyptians, really. Of course. I mean, revered the, the pineal gland because of what it secreted. Yes, I'm just, again, um, uh, the, the question just leads me back to, um, I had a man in 1996 um, asking me, he said, can I, can I help you and do you a favor? And I said, I, said, I won't harm you. And this is 1996. And, um, and, and he comes up and I'd hugged him before, but you know, my hugs were like, okay, thanks. And he hugged me and he just embraced me. And he started breathing and my, I was, I had anxiety thinking what's going on. He said, take a deep breath because I was holding my breath and we took a deep breath together and then we let it out. And then we took another deep breath together and we let it out. I felt myself relax more. And he said, just, just don't breathe in yet. And he said, now take another big deep breath and then let it back out. And I relaxed so much. He pushed me away. He looked at me. Tears were streaming down. He said, do you remember? What I remembered was how much fear I held in my body about embracing just another man, let alone somebody who had this spiritual beingness that was super calm. I revered and honored this guy. And um, I've been doing that with men and women that I've met over time, if it feels appropriate. But yeah. um, we, these bodies have all of these abilities and we're coming into more as our DNA begins to energetically activate into two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine strands. When we get to 12 and it becomes physical from this light, this gamma frequency that's coming onto this planet, we're going to have our old abilities back. And some of you are like, thank God or thank goddess uh, because telepathy, all the clairs, clara audience, clara sentience, and by the way, I'm not trying to promote this book, but this and, and Earth uh, is where I got this information. And I still hold this as an anchor for um, as a platform or a blueprint for my creating. I'm just a creator in a physical body on planet Earth creating an experience that my consciousness, which I call God, can have. But I do it now to, to help benefit others and the whole collective simultaneously. And you're part of that journey today. God, my friends, thank you. That's why thank we call you it so much. Creator God. That's why I call it Creator I, I God. Yes. So it's called Bringers of the Dawn by Barbara. Barbara Marciniak. Teachings are, from the Pleiades. Bringers of the Dawn by Barbara Marciniak. Um, it was published first in 1992. And the I have read this book so many times. And each time I read it, there are words, there are sentences, there are paragraphs that I would swear changed from when I first read it. And if you're familiar with the Mandela effect, 
of course they've changed. The mandala. The mandala yeah. effect. If you have, they give you a research assignment today if you're not familiar with that. Look up the mandala effect and look at all of our past memories that have changed. Words change. Reality change. Our past has changed because we are jumping timelines. We're now in a timeline of ascension that's unstoppable. Doesn't there? There's no cabal, no deep state, nothing that can actually stop this. It's happened from our future point of view, and we're just pulling ourselves towards uh, our future selves that have ascended and are um, are unified in this collective consciousness, where we understand that we're really the same people or consciousness having experienced in different bodies, different vehicles. I love so. that. And when he talked about breathwork, if you look at any, you know, scientific journals, um, literature, when it talks about stress management, the first thing it'll say is breathing. And everyone who reads those research papers in the academic world skips that part. You skip reading about the breathing because you want it to be a pill or you want it to be a quick fix. But breathing is what regulates our sympathetic or parasympathetic (laughs) nervous system. So you'll hear people talking about breath work and you'll be like, just breathing. But no, it activates, are you in a safe state or are you in a fight or flight state? And that's why Mm. people are having these huge wake-up calls because they're regulating their nervous system through breathing, which costs nothing. Um, And many people in the military are taught this as well, as well as like turn on the mechanism from that baseball movie, the flow state to get yourself from beta to alpha, beta to delta, to mm. get in that genius flow state, um, you can use breathing as well. So I know a lot of people are timid when it comes to trying breathwork workshops, but I wanted to give a little bit of scientific background to that. Thank you so much for your time, Mark. Mm. I know that you'll have, as we as we end, if we can have one minute to end, a, a new channel coming up. What's it about? So um, there's a YouTube channel called Sedona Galactic Guidance. This video will be on that. So you may be seeing that uh, from that particular channel. But this particular channel is going to be about how we're getting guidance from up there, our higher selves down here. Um, That guidance is found in all kinds of published literature. But if we think of if we think of the now and there's plenty of literature about the power of now. Eckhart Tolle's book, To Stay in the Now, where our, our, our depression comes from focusing on the past and our anxiety comes from projecting into the future. But staying in this now, books that were written 500 years ago are pertaining to this now because it's still the same now. There's no past. There's no future. There's just now. And it's going to talk about the information that we're all collecting this now. There will be other interviewers um, uh, on this channel. Well, I'll be the interviewer and there'll be other people on this channel, just like June. And um, if I can leave you with a great takeaway today, remember, there's just, there, there, there's just love. Love is the fifth dimensional frequency. It's fifth density. It is lighter. It's freer. It's where... <sighs> where that breath comes from and fear is <laughs> is down here again we're going to be leaving the third dimensional world will destroy itself literally holding, it, holding your breath if you're listening to this on audio holding your breath yes but the, that, that, that we're going to end that frequency will not be available anymore 
we're all going to be up here. So think of think the most loved thing you could see in anything. Think of what what would love do in this situation, and um, and practice that. And, and again, that's uh, that's my goal again for today, for this now. I love you all. Peace, honor. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Thank you guys for watching. We'll get to any questions if you have any later. We'll write back on them because we're streaming to Facebook Live right now. So we'll we'll check those later. Thank you, guys. Namaste. This was the Syndacy Wellness Podcast. Please subscribe. If you are looking for me, find me at syndacywellness.com for any nutrition, meal plans, or trauma counseling work. Thank you. Fundamental you, you, you. Well, if you'd like a place where there's never a dull moment, choose the right flavor of wellness for you. Syndacy Wellness hosts the personal, local, global wellness show.